Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Just came to faith a few months ago and is now working with us to translate the scripture into sign language in a little country, uh, the little country of Slovenia.
have difficulty reading because they've never heard the language, and yet she knew English, she knew Slovenian language, but not the written language, so she'd never heard. And until we get the Bible into their language, sign language, until we are able to tell them the gospel say, story, so many die without ever, ever, ever seeing the word of God. Great. Thank you so much. That'll be a big help. I'm going to take this off while I'm up here. This is a, <clears throat> um, we have these name tags now, it makes us look like Mormons. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I'm not here to tell you about Joseph Smith. I'm not here to tell you about uh, Moroni or any of the others that are part of their history. So, uh, again, uh, we're, we just are so grateful to, to the church and to all of the uh, significant contributions that it has made over the years to, to give, to go, to send people to uh, different parts of the world to serve. And, uh, and so... Uh, I, I just want to share a couple of things with you to kind of kick things off. Uh, one is, is that over the years, you know that we collect the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And this past year from, uh, it would be September, October 1st of 2021 through September 30th, 2022, Southern Baptist gave over $200 million to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That is an all-time high. It isn't even close to, the, to the, the previous high that had been given several years ago. That's significant. It really is. And then the cooperative program gifts came in at right at $100 million. So we have $300 million that was given in support of your IMB workers globally. We now have places for new personnel to come in. If you have people or you yourself feel the, the, the tap of God on your heart to go, we need you to come and serve alongside of us. We have resources to do it. There's an upward trend financially. Baptists continue to be concerned about the nations, the lost people of the world, and we need all the help we can get. And I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about people praying, and I'm talking about people coming to serve alongside of us. So I don't care how old you are, how young you are. We had a woman that came and served with us <clears throat> for two weeks. A number of years ago, she was 90, nine zero when she, when she came to the field. Her name was Lillian, and her doctor told her, there's a good chance if you make a trip like this to the other side of the world that you'll die. She said, I can't think of a better place to go and spend my last days and moments than sharing the gospel among lost people. Her Sunday school class and her pastor reminded her, if you go on this trip, there's a good chance you might die over there. And she said, I can't think of a better place to spend my last moments than to share the gospel among people who are still waiting to hear for the very first time. 
So Lillian went, she shared the gospel, she made it back to the U.S. and lived another, how many more years did she live? She lived another, she was almost 100 when she died. So she lived 10 more years and had the testimony to tell about the two weeks that she shared the gospel among the people uh, in the country where we lived. What a blessing it was to be able to, to know that it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how young you are, what kind of skills or lack of skills you have, if you are available, that's what God blesses. Doesn't make how much ability you have, it's availability. So, <coughs> so we're grateful to you, <clears throat> but we can still use your help if you want to come and serve alongside of us. People always say, well, I don't know sign language. Yeah, well, if you're going to go work among the Chinese, do you know Mandarin? No. Do you know German if you're going to go work among the German? No. So we will help you. <laughs> we will help you work and be able to communicate across those lines. So uh, we really do need people to come and join us. Ray mentioned the fact that we need, we need more workers in the harvest field because the fields are white unto harvest. <clears throat> Best and I, when we first went to the field, re realized that not only is there the challenge of lost people around us, <coughs> but there is the challenge of the fact that these people who are around us who are lost don't have access to the Scripture. Now, they may have a Bible in the majority language. Vesta mentioned that Dasha had, there was a Bible in Slovenian, there was a Bible in English, but that's not her heart language. And we realized early on, if you don't have access to the Bible in your own language, you can, you can reach these people with the gospel. People are anxious to know about Jesus. They're anxious to come to faith many times. <clears throat> you can disciple them. You can train them. You can group them into church. But they've got to have access to the Bible in their own language. The power of God, the power of God through in salvation must, must be sustained when people have access to, to God's truth in their own language. And so we began immediately a two-pronged approach to try to impact the, the lost world. One was share the gospel. That's what we're there to do. Share about Jesus. Tell his story. Tell your story. Interweave the two. But make sure they know the, the truth about the story of, of Jesus. The other thing was... <clears throat> We also need to provide access to the Scripture in their language. And so we began to do Bible translation in the local sign languages. Now, we didn't go out as Bible translators. Got enough, uh, got enough <coughs> uh, background in, in the Bible languages to be able to, to, to work that way. But that wasn't my assignment. But we realized early on it's got to be part of the assignment. People can come to faith, they can be discipled, they can be church, they can even be trained to go out and be missionaries themselves. If they don't have access to the Bible in their own language, whatever momentum you build can't be sustained unless they have access to that truth in their own language. So we became church planners and Bible translators at the same time. So that's been our approach <coughs> all along. And these people that we met, from around the world, they're, they're lost. That's the biggest problem we have in our world today. 
You hear, you hear Dr. Chitwood, our president, talk about lostness. Lostness is the biggest problem we have in our world today. It's not global warming. It's not uh, uh, equity. It's not this. It's not that. It's not all the political things that are thrown out. The biggest problem we have in our world today is lostness. People are lost without Christ. And, you know, we have the solution for that. And these people are not lost because someone has come to them and said, <clears throat> here's how you find meaning in life. You repent of your sins. You gave your life to Jesus. You follow him, born again, and, and, you, and you serve him. And that people have said, no, I don't want to do that. People are not lost because they've had access to the gospel and rejected it. They're lost because, as my friend Gordon Fort has said, they're lost because no one has ever found them. And that's why we go. That's why we take the gospel to these places where people have never heard. And, you know, I, when we pulled up this morning <coughs> in the parking lot out here, I told Vesta, as I tell her every time we come, how the neighborhood in this part of Evansville has, has changed over time. Very bustling uh, uh, neighborhood, you know, and the church was right in the middle of all of that. There are people who live around here who have never heard the gospel for the very first time. It's just, that's just the case. Now, they may not want to hear you preach at them <clears throat> a sermon <clears throat> about going to church. But I guarantee you, if you talk to them about a story from the Scripture that has impact on life, they'll listen. Because people are hungry to know about Jesus. They're, they're, they're anxious to know about the void that's in their soul that only can be filled through a relationship with Jesus. And so there are folks, and it's amazing how not only has the neighborhoods, have the neighborhoods changed, but the demographics of the neighborhoods have changed. How many foreigners do you have living here? I think one of the <clears throat> ironic things that God has done in all of the, his history of, of challenging the church is the fact that he has basically looked and, and thought, well, if the church is not going to go to the world, I'm going to bring the world to the church. And so the, the, the neighborhoods are now loaded with people from Asia, from Africa, from Europe, from South America, from all over the world. And these people have not had an opportunity to hear the gospel the very first time. They're lost because no one has found them. And it is on us, on us, to find them and to share the gospel with them. Vesta told you about, <coughs> about uh, um, Dasha. One of the things that has stuck in my mind, I want to share this scripture with you this morning, is from Revelation 7-9. There's a vision there for, of people from every tribe, nation, people, tongue, every group from around, the, from around the world, from around God's creation, will be around that throne kneeling and worshiping the Lamb. Now, I didn't read it to you. I'm just telling you that's what Revelation 7, 9 says. And we believe that there will be people from every language group there, whether it's from one country or another country. From what, And we believe that there will be deaf people from every deaf sign language group there as well. They'll all be worshiping the Lamb. They talk about 
uh, palm branches and white robes, and they will all be worshiping the Lamb, standing in, in honor of the Savior. <clears throat> now, when we tell that story among the deaf people, they all say, well, that'll be great because that means everybody will be around the throne. They'll all be signing. Uh, hearing people always go, well, you know, we'll be all be around the throne. The deaf people will be able to hear. They'll be able to sing and praise. And the deaf people say, oh, that's great. The, we'll all be around the throne. We're worshiping God, worship, worshiping the Lamb. And all of the hearing people will be signing with us. So they have a bit of a different perspective. It's, a, it's just a cultural thing. So however it looks, it, it is honestly going to be that folks from every nation, tribe, people, language, and tongue <coughs> will be there. And that's, that's basically what, what our vision is for the days ahead. Continuing to take the gospel among those who have yet to be found. Pavau, his name, Pavau, sounds like Pavel, which is the English name Paul. Pavel came from Croatia. He's deaf. He also does his best to read lips and speak. He knows that people can't understand him when he speaks. And he knows that when he watches people talk, he doesn't get it all. <clears throat> Pavel came from a, a Catholic background, and he was um, convinced that that was, the, that was the path to being good, being right. But Pavel had a bad experience with a, a man who had been his mentor, his teacher, and, and then left him, and he was a very angry man when we met him, and in this group that we had formed in Eastern Europe, <clears throat> Pavel said, um, I just want to know what you're doing about, about um, following the Catholic tradition. So we told a couple of Bible stories. Again, <clears throat> not one, not two, but three. After three Bible stories, Pavel came back and said, you know, <clears throat> my life has changed because of these stories from God's truth. My mother, he said, has told me all along what I need to do is to get rid of my anger. I need to go to the confessional booth and there I need to confess to the priest and have my sins absolved and I will feel better. And I told my mother before I came here, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. And he said, it's stupid for several reasons. Number one, I'm deaf. I'm going into the black box. The guy on the other side can't see me. I don't talk well enough for people to understand, so he won't understand what I'm saying. And I just don't like it in there. And he said, now after I've heard these stories about the fact that I can confess my sins directly to the Creator God, I don't have to go in the black box. I'm going to take every one of my concerns, my sins, my confessions, I'm going to take them directly to the God who created me and hang the whole system that has been advocated for me through the years 
And Pavel went away a changed man saying that from here on out, I don't serve a system. I serve a creator. Pavel is like Olek and Mariana. Olek and Mariana are, is a deaf, they're a deaf couple who lived, who lived in Ukraine. And early this year, when, when the Russians invaded, <clears throat> they left. Their parents were uh, anxious for them to get out because they, they feared for their, for their lives. Um, Olek and, and uh, Mariana are about, uh, what, 30, 33, 35, something like that. Anyway, they're, they're a young couple, and they have felt a call on their life to go and share the gospel among many people uh, in, in Ukraine, deaf people who have not had access to the gospel. <coughs> but the church there, the hearing church said, we don't really think that's very realistic. You're deaf, and we don't see that you're really qualified to be able to go and, and, and take the gospel and share it with people. So they were kind of living in a, in a world where they didn't have any, any freedom to live out their faith. Well, when the war came, they left, and guess where God placed them? He placed them in the Czech Republic. They, they, they looked at a map, pointed to the map of the center of, of Eastern Europe and that, and that part where they felt like they were being led to go, and they landed in a city where 20 years ago, Vesta and I had worked and had helped plant a church. So in February, this church in this little city contacted us and said, hey, we've got these deaf refugees that are coming. How do we, how do we reach out to them? How do we minister to them? Can you help us? And it was there that we met Oleg and Mariana, who had come from the Ukraine deaf to be able to share like missionaries would share. And, and so we were able to help get them into a place where they could live. <coughs> Money that came through cooperative program, through Send Relief, through Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, those funds helped, helped plant them in a place where they could stay, where they could help minister to people. We could provide food. We could provide clothing. We could provide housing. And, and, and at the end of the day, Olek and Mariana are doing what God had called them to do all along, going into these places, sharing the gospel, leading people faith. And the other thing that they're doing is they're helping us translate the Bible into Ukrainian sign language. That was all part of God's design. <coughs> we didn't know that when we met them, but God has a way of weaving it all together, doesn't he? Then you all have been praying for Sadie young woman who has been, she has been under persecution since she was baptized. When we were in West Africa several, uh, several, uh, about, a, uh, well, I guess six weeks ago, Sadie really felt convicted that she needed to, um, to follow Christ. She believed, but she was concerned that if she followed Christ, there might be repercussions from her doing that. And then as we talked, she said, you know, to be obedient, I really need to be baptized. Now, she's from a Muslim background. Her family's Muslim. <coughs> All of these people that we're working with in West Africa, with the exception of maybe two or three, come from Islamic backgrounds. 
So that's a problem. Following Christ is a problem if you're from an Islamic background. Getting baptized is even a bigger problem if you're from an Islamic background because now you're embracing and you're cutting off your, your, your cultural ties to family. But Sadie said, you know, I should be baptized. She was reluctant. But it was when she went into the water in the Atlantic Ocean, she walked out in that water. For her, that was it. Okay, I'm going all the way. I'm not going to hide anything. I'm going all... You've been praying for her because after she was baptized, after those days at that training camp was over, she went back home. She told her mother, I'm a follower of Jesus. Her mother said, no, 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 you're not. She said, no, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. She said, I was... uh, I uh, followed Jesus this week. So her mother became irate. Her, she has no father. Her father died earlier this year. So there's no, there's no man in that family now to take control. So the mother got a, a, either a friend or another, uh, a, a driver or somebody to come. And then <clears throat> they said, well, we know, how to, we know how to settle this issue. This girl's got to die. You know, that's, this is a, would be a, a, an honoring, <coughs> this would honor God to kill her for, re, for turning away from Islam. Or her mother, I, I don't think her mother was convinced that she wanted her daughter to be e- executed. But <coughs> they, locked her, they locked her in, in a room for several days. She didn't get any food or any water. I think her sister slipped something in. And, and I've kept Ray up to date on that. And I know you all have been praying for her. And so here's the bottom line. We haven't got a lot of information over the past couple of weeks. But what we, what we do know is this. <clears throat> Sadie has <clears throat> failed at every, every point. Every challenge, she has failed to renounce her faith in Jesus. Which means she has said, every time they've said, if you'll renounce your faith, we'll leave you alone. She has said, nope, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I will not turn back. So she still continues to get persecuted. She still continues to get harassed. There are threats that come against her in some form or fashion. They don't want her to be involved with the other deaf Christians there. But as far as we know, as of this past week, every time there's a challenge, she said, I will not turn away from Jesus. So this is what comes. She was lost because no one had ever found her. Now she has been found and now she is <clears throat> serving, the God, amid, serving her God among persecution. One of the other young men who's in the group, <clears throat> is a na- his name is... We'll just call him KD. His African name's a little hard to pronounce, so we'll just call him KD, okay? Um, If I pronounced it for you, you wouldn't know if I mispronounced it, but I would. So we'll just call him KD. So KD, (coughs) also from a Muslim background, had come to to the city to go to school. While he was there, he had met people, some of our missionaries, They had shared the gospel. Eventually, KD came to faith. 
Katie is one of the leaders in the, among those folks in the, in the deaf church in that city. And Katie came <clears throat> and shared back in July with us. He said, you know, I faced a problem. <clears throat> after I came to faith, after I went through some training, I, I talked to my family about my conversion to Christianity. And he said, now my father is not the head of the overall family. It's my uncle. My uncle is the one who kind of drives and navigates everything. And my uncle said, you know, you can't do this. You can't renounce Islam. You can't. That's who we are as a culture. It's who we are as a people. You can't let go of Islam. I need you to, uh, I need you to just back away from this. <coughs> so Katie struggled back and forth trying to determine how to best navigate that. <clears throat> Never really gave up his Christian faith, but knew that there was a heavy oppression against him from his uncle and from his family members. Every once in a while, a, a, a sibling or a cousin would come to the city and sit with him and lecture him about, you know, you can't give up Islam. You can't do this Christian thing. Well, in July, when we were talking with him, Katie said, you know, about this past February, my uncle, who is the head of the family, he died. My uncle is in hell. I never pushed back and said to him, you know, there is an alternative. This Jesus that I know, this creator God that I know, can give you a life eternal and full of meaning regardless of how much pushback you get from Islam. But I didn't do it because I was afraid. And so... Now my uncle is dead. He's in hell. And that's forever. And I believe as we've, you know, talked with him since that he has a new appreciation for the need to share the story of the gospel with everyone regardless of the cost. Because hell is forever. There isn't an alternative for him to be able to offer, offer candles or burn incense or anything to help get his uncle out of hell for another shot at it. It's done. And so, <coughs> KD continues to deal with, with uh, persecution just like Sadie. But as they grow stronger and as they stand bolder, this little congregation that they have begun in West Africa now <clears throat> now continues to move forward and it's a light send the light the blessed gospel light let it shine from short they stand as a light in the darkness of a primarily primarily Muslim area so these are people with real names and real 
real lives and real struggles. And God has changed them, has made them new creations, and has brought them to a place where now they're sharing the gospel. They're trying to plant new churches. They're translating the scripture into their own languages. There were five sign languages that we were working to translate in in West Africa from five different countries. And there were five sign languages that we were working to translate in, in Eastern Europe among the group there in Slovenia. <coughs> so these are the kinds of things that you help support, that you help give to when you give to the Lottie Moon offering, when you give to the cooperative program, when you come and work alongside of us. This is what you see, where you see God at work. So you're a part of what we're doing. All of this reminds me <clears throat> that we're ready to celebrate Christmas. And the first time that Jesus came, he came as a vulnerable babe in a manger. The next time he comes, he will come as a conqueror, as a ruler, as maybe even described in the scripture, riding on a white horse, and there will be no vulnerability. The first time he came, he was born in a manger. He will be, next time he comes is the second time he comes. The second coming will be on that white horse. The first time he came, <coughs> he was welcomed by a handful of shepherds in that little, that little uh, stable-like place. There were some angels that announced that, which would have been a glorious thing to see. But those who were at his birth, just a handful of shepherds. When he comes again, the second time, the sky will declare the brightness and the glory of God, and all will see. The first time he came, uh, within a period of time after he was born, <coughs> there were a few, we call wise men, a few people, kings from the east that came and knelt and gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The next time he comes, his second coming, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The first time he came, he came to pay for the sins of the world. When he comes the second time, the second coming, he will come to do away with sin altogether. <clears throat> now, I can't help but think that we've got to be closer to the second coming than we are to the first. And with all that we know about the fact that there are still lost peoples out there who need to be found, who need to hear the story of the saving power of the Savior, it should compel us to tell his story and our story that he has woven into our lives so that others will be pointed to the saving power of the cross. It takes humility to, to, to go and do this. Gray and I were talking earlier before, during the Sunday school hour about um, humility. You can't experience the saving power of Jesus Christ before his cross 
and be proud. If, if you're born again and stand before the cross of Jesus and know the sacrifice he made, that is the most humbling thing that we, that we would ever experience. There's no reason for us to be proud. We need to be, and hum, humility is a choice. It really is. You know, you may, spiritual gifts, God chooses who he gives those to. Humility is not a spiritual gift. It's a choice we make to live our lives with humility. And it takes humility to be able to go and say to people around us who are lost, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about how my life changed. Let me tell you a story from the scripture. Or let me just tell you a story and tell them a story from the scripture, whether you tell them it's from the scripture or not. And watch how people's lives, like Dasha, she didn't know all these years in her heart, she knew there was some kind of, some kind of tapping at the door of her heart. And when she heard a Bible story, a second Bible story, a third Bible story, all of a sudden the light came on and she knew the gospel light. The blessed gospel light is what she had been looking for all along. And there are people all around us every day that we come in contact with. They're just waiting to be found. They're waiting for somebody to tell them the gospel story for the first time. You don't have to have it in an ABC form. You just have to be available to tell them what, what has happened to you and tell them from the Scripture the stories that, that, that God has used maybe to impact your life. I really think one of the, one of the things that has weakened us as, as the Christian witness in our world today <clears throat> is the fact that we're trying to convince people to be something that we don't have to convince them to be. All we need to do is tell them God's story. Just give them the story of the gospel. It doesn't have to be the Romans road. It doesn't have to be the four spiritual laws. Just as they said, it's just about one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Just tell your story and let the story of the scripture speak on its own. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to be really glib and, and, and excellent at, 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 you know, putting everything in place. <coughs> the story of the Bible, the story of the gospel speaks for itself. Just tell the story and watch how lives are changed. And that, you know, for me, that makes it a whole lot easier. It's not, people always say, well, all these stories that you see going on around the world, all the, the, the people coming to faith, and oh, gee, I wish it could happen here. You know, I, I'm, I'm not doing anything <clears throat> other than telling the story of Christ. I'm not doing anything other than telling the story of the gospel. And all I have to do is tell people what I've seen. It's just really simple. It's not rocket science. And I really believe it can happen here among our people, even in this country, if we'll just get back to the basics. Because I do believe we're close to that second coming of Jesus. And I believe time is becoming shorter and shorter and shorter. I don't know when, but I do know there should be a sense of urgency about what we do in terms of sharing the gospel.
You've made it possible for Vesta and I and about 3,500 other IMB missionaries to go to the ends of the earth. And for that, we are deeply grateful. You've prayed for us. You've prayed for our partners, for Sadie, for KD. You've prayed for, for Dasha. You'll, you'll pray for Pavau. You pray for these people who, who have found new life in Christ. And yet we still need more workers to go with us. So I would challenge you today, the Lord's saying to you, how can I be involved? How can I go to the nations? You may not have to look beyond your front door, look across the street. You may have Vietnamese, you may have Chinese, you may have Egyptians, you may have <coughs> Venezuelans, you may have uh, people from Argentina. They may live down the street, they may live across the street, they may live around the block. But the Lord may also be asking you about whether or not you're willing to come and serve alongside of some of us overseas. And again, you don't have to know sign language. You don't have to know the language. We'll help get the bridge there so you can tell the story. But regardless, tell the story of the saving power of Jesus. What has happened to you and what has happened to the world because of that cross and resurrection. We're grateful to you, Vesta and I, for all that you do. And we're grateful to be a part of your 100th anniversary. Uh, as I told you earlier, this church has had a significant impact on my life over the years. I was talking with Sarah earlier this morning about uh, being a teenager and coming and working in the, um, uh, as, a, as a summer missionary uh, in this association for, for one summer. And the impact that it had on me and on those that worked with me, um, there's always opportunities to serve. And you guys have provided that for so many. This church has a great legacy of what God has done, but there's still things that God has yet to do. And this church has a role in helping prepare the way for that as well. So, Ray, if you want to come and close out our service, um, and Robert, uh, again, how grateful we are to be able to be a part of what you celebrate today. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.